Welcome to Jurassic World. Welcome to the Jurassic World Minutes. We'll be visiting Jurassic World one minute at a time. VIP control room tours can be booked from the Innovation Centre lobby daily. I'm Brad. And Dick. And today we're here to discuss. And on this episode, we're here to discuss Minute 12 of Jurassic World. Before we get to that, David, there's been a big elephant in the room, <laughs> and uh, we're going to head over to Jurassic-pedia.com and uh, talk about these maps. Mm-hmm. We get to see uh, the new. Abyssal Nublar map here in the control room in this minute. Um, we're going to see more of what's on it, but the fact here we can clearly see a different shape than the Abyssal uh, Nublar we know from from Jurassic Park itself. Uh, the, the maintenance, or the control room, the, the brochure maps. Um, here we have another instalment of uh, let's have a new a new map. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh... <clears throat> In the novel, it's kind of always left up to the imagination what the actual image of Isla Nublar looks like. In Jurassic Park, we kind of get a couple different maps. We get one that's a brochure map that we see kind of cartoonish shape of the island that is plastered on the brochure, on, um, island, on the island signs, kind of plastered here and there across the island. And it's always kind of been assumed that that's meant to be more of a cartoonish map in the vein of, like, say, a stylized Disneyland map that you'd get in the brochure of, uh, I mean, you'd get uh, when you walk into Disneyland. Where well, we had that with, what's that? We had that with, we had that with the brochure map in Jurassic Park too, more of a, a cartoon version of yeah. Well, um well, that's what I'm referencing. That that one. We also get one in um, the Jurassic World viral site that's exactly exactly like that. It's also cartoonish. Everything's enlarged. It's meant to look kind of funny. Hmm. It's meant to look. It's easy to read. Basically, it's yeah, not yeah. the satellite map that we have that we get in the um, computers in the control room in the first movie, which is this kind of this kind of roundish teardrop shape where two main rivers that cut through the island, one in the north, um, one in the northeast corner, and then one on the kind of the east-ish, east side of the main part of the paddocks where presumably the um, river, the original river tour would have taken place in. It's kind of mm-hmm. interesting because, and we'll talk about it when we get to Fallen Kingdom as well, but 
that river when um when we got Fallen Kingdom, it's meant the lagoon quote that the Jurassic World Main Street is parked on the side of that Mosasaur Lagoon with the beaches and the Mosasaur Pen and all that. It's inadvertently moved to the side of the of the um island where we get the basically it connects directly into the ocean. Trevorrow said that that was erroneous and a mistake by the um, visualization department and that what it's intended is that it's now the lagoon doesn't go directly out into the ocean, but instead connects to a series of rivers that itself leads out in the ocean. And if you actually look at the satellite map from the first movie, you can see that main river on the east side of the island cuts all the way into the center of the island where the actual island or where the actual lagoon would have been in the first Jurassic World movie that we're discussing now. Mm. But the pro- that's not the problem. The problem is in Jurassic World, the island itself is a completely different shape than what it was on the satellite maps in the first movie. And this is going off the control room map, which presumably is satellite feed, and the um, ACU map that we see Owen going off of later in the movie. And it's, that map itself is extremely strange because it both enlarges and shrinks the island itself. We get these massive, we get these massive-looking islands that we see on the on the island. On, I'm sorry, massive-looking mountains that we see on the island, but on the southern end, it looks to be covered entirely by beachfront, which is weird because that beach would have to be a couple miles inland. And that's not how beaches work. <laughs> Other yeah. places, you see the mountains, the actual mountain range just stops. Like, I mean, it, I mean, it doesn't, it's not that the the islands get smaller. It's like the, it's like the mountain itself just gets cut in half and stops. And it's just a terrible, terrible map. And I want to strangle whoever did it just for the idiocy of the geology here. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, it, it doesn't help. Like, as you were saying before about Colin talking about the lagoon, um, oh, we got photos and screen caps here over at dressy-pedia.com in this article. It's in the uh, the Isla Nublar article um, that we're looking at once again. We're going to be referencing this a fair bit during our discussion of the next two movies. But uh, the fact that when Jurassic World came out and fans noticed or when Fallen Kingdom come out and noticed the, uh, the difference in the lagoon and him saying that it's connected by um, the canals and that, but then when Fallen Kingdom come out and it's next to the beach, it said, well, this is how it was supposed to be. As you said before, someone put the wrong maps up, but all the maps are the same. <laughs> like they've gone through the entire film and had the wrong the wrong maps there in Jurassic World or instead of just acknowledging the retcon. But even, even stuff like um, the volcanoes on some and not the other... Um, you mentioned the tourist brochure maps before. Peter was able to get and a, a screen used print of that one of them brochure maps for Jurassic World, and uh, with the whole layout of the island there, and there's a photo of that, of that here as well. Mm-hmm. One of the prop maps we see on the uh, in the film, but and there is I don't know official DPG or what. There is a lot of talk about the volcanoes changing the shape of the island. Um, in general, Maserati making the landmass land bigger mm. to uh, populate the park. There's no... I, for that one, it's 
ball, just go to a bigger island, go and use sauna. Just why, why are you use doing all these earthworks to make Nublar bigger mm-hmm. when there is nothing, nothing holding you to it whatsoever, apart from an old lease. Well, I think well, the, unfortunately, the what's wrong with the map, and this is mostly going on. This is mostly the satellite aerial map that we see the ACU using the animal control unit that we'll talk yeah. about more later in the movie. Is it looks like this just extremely photoshopped by somebody who's not at all familiar with either Photoshop or geography. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, it's I mean that was my main kind of hate on the thing. And the second thing is is that the volcano doesn't look like Mount Sebo in the um, in Fallen Kingdom. And and on the map here, it almost kind of looks like it's just a regular kind of cinder cone or, or not cinder cone is kind of like a um open like a open volcano guy his large caldera ring around it almost kind of like a more pacific islander volcano in um mm-hmm. in fallen kingdom it looks more like a cinder cone which is that kind of more traditional mountainous kind of looking thing like um say Mount Fuji in Africa, or I'm sorry, in Japan, or Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. It's kind of got that traditional mountain shape with the hole at, at the top. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, the whole mountain range around it, as we see when the, the planes fly into the island. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's a weird one. And this isn't even without going into the changes between mm-hmm. this and Fallen Kingdom as well, with that lagoon moving. But and interesting enough, I do believe I do recall that, and we'll talk about this later in the movie. Is the um, Hammond? But while we're talking about it in the map here, is the original visitor center was originally assumed to have been in the restricted sec- restricted section, but now I think kind of the fan assumption here is is that it is actually on the in it is where it's supposed to be. But unfortunately, it's just um, it's just kind of fenced off. It's not actually part of the restricted section itself. Yeah, well, the the um, the steam blast map here I'm looking at sort of has the gyrospheres right near the old park as well. Mm-hmm. So, oh, we, we'll when we talk about Fallen Kingdom, I mean, there's more than wrong with oh, that okay. map than just the lagoon. <laughs> <laughs> there's right. much and more I've... wrong with that map than just the lagoon. Yeah, all right. And I've I've sort of had the theory a while ago with um what we see of the old par- air quotes old park and the visitor center, mm-hmm. and whether that is the actual old park, whether it was something um either a failed or not yet set up attraction, being the fact that it's not in the restricted zone, it's in the park main park itself. But we can talk more about that when we get to the visitor center mm-hmm. itself. Um, yeah, yeah. There's other issues going on with the old visitor center than just its location. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yep. But um, yeah, I think we can talk more about the uh, the Jurassic World map we get to uh, in this minute when we see it in the control room. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, enough about that for now. <laughs> uh, head over to JurassicPeter.com to uh, check out all the, that article, um, those map photos, map comparisons. Some of the team has done fantastic work uh, trying to do a hybridized map of everything we've seen from Nubla so far. Um, with where where the old park stuff would be mm-hmm. um, and all that as well and a lot of work went into that map so um, check that out as well every time we've unveiled a new asset attendance has spiked global news coverage 
celebrity visitors, eyes of the world. Uh, all right, Dave, ready to get in minute 12? Yep. As when in the 11th Jurassic World, Claire met the boys, but their first meeting in seven years hadn't exactly gone according to plan. With her working, the boys were going to be seen in the park by themselves. As we open on minute 12, we cut to a shot of the Isla Nublar security map. As the camera starts to pull out, we can hear radio chatter from ACU in the background. At the 10-second mark, Claire walks into the control room holding a coffee, asking, what's the live count? Vivian, one of the technicians, responds, 22,216. Claire asks if there's been any incidents, and Larry, another technician, says, yeah, six kids in the lost and found. 28 down with heat stroke. At 21 second mark, Claire cuts him off, noticing a shirt he's wearing, and asks, where did you get that? Larry says he got it on eBay, and then starts to go on about how he haggled the guy for 150 bucks. Claire asks, don't you think that was in poor taste? Larry says, yeah, sure. I know people died, but that first park was legit. At the 44 second mark, just to stop Larry from rumbling, she says, don't wear it again. And he turns and sheepishly says, yeah, okay. Vivian asks, did you close the deal? Claire says, looks like it. Verizon Wireless presents the Indominus Rex. Larry drops his head in disgust. As the minute ends, he says, why don't you just go the whole distance, Claire? and let the corporations name the dinosaurs. As we ended at minute 11, Claire had fumbled her way through her first meeting with Gray and Zach after seven years, and uh, thanks to the phone call, was able to make a speedy getaway through the uh, hologram of the parasol office. But that's where we cut to scene two, which, control room, finally. Um, I have got a uh, link here I'll post up in the uh, Facebook page of um, some various shots um, probably as high def as we're going to get from the uh, the control room map and this massive display here in front of the building but um, as we mentioned before we got a new uh, map of Nublar and there's a lot of information here did uh, do you know if they ever released HD you can't there's no on Google um, I do know that there are and this is mostly what I use to follow the movie while we're doing this this podcast here is the um it's called what is it? it's uh, moviescreencaps.com and they have all of the movies up, up there. Oh yeah, and yeah. I use that, and that's what I use to um, follow the. Well, they have. I think do they have Fallen Kingdom? Uh, they do I have Fallen Kingdom. Cause... Yes, they do have Fallen Kingdom. Oh yeah. But yeah, so they got all five movies up there, <clears throat> and um, that's what I've been using to follow along on the movies. So while I'm not actually watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's where I get the um, the stills for posting up on the face, the social medias as well. Mm-hmm. So it is it is a great resource, and even when we done Jurassic uh, the Lost World and Jurassic Park Three, a lot of the stuff looking in the background and that come from that uh, that site. But mm-hmm. oh, I just realised too. One thing I didn't mention when we we're talking about the uh, the new blah maps, the fact in the um, later on when we get to the uh, the garage, mm-hmm. they've got that brochure brochure map for Nublar on the wall, so they acknowledge that the park used to look, or the, the, at least got that brochure in the film, mm-hmm. um, that original cartoonish map. So, Well, interestingly is that Jack Ewins, orig- who designed the viral site, originally, or no, he released on Instagram a image of the prototype, so to speak, of the um, Masrani site, 
and that was, it showed the traditional Isla Nublar silhouette as in among the images. And he said that this is basically what we had up before we were told to change it. That it's not going to be, it's not going to look like this. Okay. So it was a conscious choice to actually change the island shape. We just don't know why, and I doubt we'll ever get an answer. But interestingly, okay. though, this is supposed to be the shape as we know it because on the actual control room map, you can see in the corner of the of the map itself, it says uh, sat image, and it says active, meaning it's supposed to be a live feed, satellite feed of the island and yeah. that graphic-y look that they got. Yeah, yep. Look, looking at this map itself, um, we can see the different sectors on there, sector 1, 2, 3, 4, and 6. As the camera pulls out, we can see sector 5 is the, uh, the restricted zone. Mm-hmm. We can also see the, as I said, the entire north area sectioned off and called the restricted zone. When we sort of, um, we speculated a lot before the film came out what the restricted zone was, whether it was Old Park, um, animals still running wild there, hadn't been contained, I think, at the end of the day, mainly it's the fact the volcanoes there, mm-hmm. because there's still the raptor pen, the indominus pen. I think the aviary's in there as well, isn't it? Or is it right at the border? Mm, the aviary is in the eastern mountain area. You can see it on the map okay. here. It's that round spot, um, off on the where the it's got like a bunch of gyrosphere connections coming off of it. Oh, okay, yep, yep, but. I, Sort of found it weird. If, if if it's just restricted to guess, why why do they have it called restricted here on the security maps and and all that? But, um, I think you can clearly see the bono. Oh, okay. I was going to say what I always kind of assumed was yes, the volcano was part of it, but also because they do a lot of R and D in the area, such as uh, Owen's Raptors, and I think they kind of always wanted a buffer between that R and D section. And the actual theme park itself, you know, like in case, say, the raptors ever got loose, God forbid, they would actually have some amount of area to capture it between, before it actually got into the main park, you know? Mm-hmm. It's basically a safety measure. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm just looking at one of these images here of um, when Hoskins and Masrani go at each other about uh, the raptors. Um, in the background, you see the path the Indominus Rex is taking mm-hmm. to get when it gets to the restricted zone fence. So that the Indominus paddock is in the restricted zone too. Mm-hmm. And look, looking at where that first dot is, that's awfully close to the volcano, which mm-hmm. we get later next film where the uh, the beacon tower and uh, the nest is Raptor's uh, Blue's nest. Well, I think another important thing though to remember is that during those fourteen years between um, Jurassic Park three and Jurassic World, there's always kind of this assumption that Injun wasn't really up to any good on um, Isla Sorna. So there was always this kind of, because they had the Pteranodons and the big fence and keeping the Spinosaurus locked up, there was always kind of this assumption that Injun wasn't as transparent about it, about Isla Sorna being this kind of unfenced paradise as they wanted people to think post, post the Lost World. And so it kind of led to this idea that anything that engines quote unquote hiding can't be good. And I think the restriction restricted area is just, is just that it's not anything nefarious. It's just, it's not the park and guests aren't supposed to be, be in it. You know, like the, we know that the indom based on the uh, Jurassic world site, that the Indominus uh, thing itself was the pen there was 
meant to be the its eventual um, uh, display pen. And it was going to have an amph- uh, like stadium seating built around it and all kinds of stuff. And they just never got to finishing it before she broke loose. So, and presumably that part of, would have been added to the park. They just never got to, around to it before the Indominus got out. Yeah, and that was going to be a question. Like, obviously, um, I'd always thought that was just some sort of holding pen, but we know from here in the novel that they're building the defense of it up, and we'll get to it but later when we get there. But it'd just mean that the, uh, the the line for where the restricted zone starts would loop and snake up around to where the, the new Indominus enclosure is mm-hmm. and you know, the new attraction is. Yeah, uh, so basically it's just not park area. The guests aren't supposed to be in there. It's... It's the door on the head, the Walmart that says no unauthorized entry, you know? Yeah. It's it's not that they're hiding anything. It's just that people aren't supposed to be in there if you're not working for it, for Jurassic World. Yeah. And as the park expands, that space will get smaller and smaller yeah. until it just circles the volcano, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we can clearly see here the monorail tracks looping around the island and heading south to the ferry terminal. Um, it's showing three monorail trains on the tracks, I would have thought there would be more, and I, I'd have to re-look at Fallen Kingdom, but I'm pretty sure we see more than three monorail trains uh, damaged <laughs> or off the tracks there, but um, that might be another issue mm-hmm. when we get there. But on the count, there's actually counted uh, three monorails, so there's I mean, there's definitely got to be more than three monorails because they probably run loops and then all then secondary loops that go to different spots because you can see that there's like there's the there's the big outer loop and then there's loops that cut through you know so presumably there's more than one more than just the three monorails running through the park yeah even just running guests to and from the ferry terminal (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, yeah but it, it and it's going it might be um the fact that this is an actual supposed to be the actual satellite map I was thinking maybe the, uh, the the trackway is more artistically drawn on there, not showing the actual locations, but because mm-hmm. um, I don't think you'd see that from space <laughs> on the satellites. They're just using the map itself mm-hmm. and the uh, laying, laying over the uh, all the other stuff. But you can see it's the satellite map, and then they have an overlay of it, of the park happenings going on. Like you can see, there's you can see an X where the river cruise uh, tours at, and then you can see a little Triceratops um, uh, logo or whatever you call it uh, in the Western Plains over there. And it's, ba- it's basically, it is the satellite map, but then they have an overlay on top of that satellite map. Yeah, it's sort of weird too that everything's blue and white. There's no color. <laughs> um, we're gonna. There's a little bit of color we're going to see in a minute with the storm and the uh, when something's wrong, something goes red. But which makes it hard to see the detail too. The fact it's just white, mm-hmm. white and blue. But but yeah, offshore down the bottom you can see uh, there's a boat icon, um, which means another ferry is approaching or departing. Mm-hmm. And there's another one that's out a bit further. It's a different icon than the one, it, the one that the uh, ferry terminal looks more like a ship. Where the uh, the one out to sea looks more like a boat, and I always thought it was the uh, the actual rock off that coast that the helicopters fly past. But getting a, a higher def image, you can actually see it's another uh, boat icon, which yeah. is weird. It's sort of heading east of the island and not heading west towards the mainland. <laughs> it's heading out in the Pacific. Well, the ferry terminal is actually on the opposite end of the of the um, 
of it's on the opposite side of the island from from the um, mainland. So the ferry terminal is on the west side, and the mainland's east of the island. So it's presumably they do go. They have to either go around the horn of the island on the bottom, or they go around the top of the island. I'm assuming they'd probably go around the horn because it's probably a shorter trip. You know. Well, it'd make more sense, but. It's going. It looks like it's going north. It makes me wonder if maybe it's a sightseeing boat or something. Could be with the uh, the different icon there. But again, you're going. We mentioned this before, going on a vacation somewhere and just staying in your hotel room and not actually seeing what's out there. <laughs> you're going to a dinosaur populated area and here you are doing sightseeing uh, tours up the up the west coast. Um, there's some harder to see graphics here and logos as well, but um, some of the easy ones to spot, as you mentioned before, the gyrosphere up in the northwest and uh, the north plains. Um, around the sides, there's a lot of video feeds from all over the park. I'm pretty sure these are the video feeds they use for the viral site, the CCTV footage of um, guests walking around doing stuff in the park. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a title here for the whole map layout called Park Systems Master Control, and um, there's some uh, graphs and displays on the bottom one appears to be a tracker of the sun's position, which, which I thought they need they need that to let you know what time of day it is or where the sun's position is. Maybe maybe that's got something to do with um, lighting or some of the, the, the shows, live shows. Yeah. Well, plus, I mean, they're stuck in this dark control room. It's not like they have windows, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, as the camera pulls away, you can see there's a lot more um, on the outsides of the map as well, more columns here. Um Info revealed on each side. On the right, it looks like weather monitoring displays. And here we get, uh, again, those satellite images of that sort of teardrop shape of so uh, Nublar with a nasty-looking storm approaching. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a little bit more colour here. We have one that just seems to be a satellite image with the grey cloud approaching, and then one below it with the uh, sort of like your, whether it's wind intensity or rain intensity, mm -hmm. um, that dark orange and red in the middle. Which is, again, weird. Because we never get a storm scene in this movie, yet in the finale, the streets are wet. So, I mean, we, like, yeah, the we... storm is there. You can see the storm approaching. But it's like, are they, did they just get a drizzle? I mean, what happened with that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of... I think, without rewatching the entire film, I'm pretty sure the night scene's tonight, isn't it? It only takes place over a day. Yeah. Um... But it still looks close. I don't know if this is real time or a forecast, because mm -hmm. it looks like the storm's on the coast and about to hit. Where in the novel, it's just it's in the novel when uh, Claire meets the boys, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. So, um, and the weirder thing is, is that I mean, the movie cuts from the the Toronto attack. It goes from like late afternoon, where probably around six seven o'clock, to complete night which is probably around say nine ten o'clock at night after the sun is completely down you know well this is near the equator too which mm -hmm. your sunrise sunset i'm pretty sure the sun doesn't go down until like 7 p.m or something on yeah. the equator doesn't it? it's real uh, real long days for us uh, during like the summer would it would be around um It'd be around the sun. We, the sun wouldn't be there. Would be completely zero daylight by ten o'clock. So the mm -hmm. sun. I mean, around nine nine thirty, you'd see still a little haze on the on the horizon. But by ten o'clock, there'd be nothing. 
and being on the equator is basically summer all the time for them. They, they so sun rises say six a.m. go is completely down by nine. You know. Yeah. Yep. And it, but even the um the island geography itself having such high mountains. I know here mm-hmm. when you go camping that some some places where you're in a deep valley. You might lose the sun at four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. But there's still sun. The sun's gone down behind the hills, and it starts to the dew starts coming. It starts to cool down. Same in the morning. You might not get sun again until ten a.m. The sun's up. It's just not shining down mm. into the valley. And we know how big that mountain range is here behind the Innovation Center. Mm-hmm. And it is the only film in the franchise that doesn't have a um, some sort of storm sequence in that final act or mid midpoint. So yeah, it's a shame. Mm-hmm. Over on the left here, there's some real interesting stuff. There's uh, more of the video feeds, but then I have to, it's too hard to see in the uh, the shot pulling back from the, the uh, map here, but in a screen cap from later on, um, there's four four graphs with um, like bar graphs, and it's they're each named operations flow, and there's a water count in litres. Um, they all have uh, water today. One's... Uh, it goes 157 litres, 155, 157, 155. On that, it's that's too lower quantity to be river if there's some sort of flow control for the river or lagoon or mm-hmm. something like that. But there's four, there's something here monitoring four different um, water reservoirs or something or f- flow rates for something, which only 157 litres is not a lot. So maybe it, may, it might be the flow rate of the fountains. Yeah. Outside in it. Yeah, it could be. Because that... Cause would that be enough for dinosaur, you think? I mean, especially like a lot, one of the large herbivores. I'm sure they drink a lot of water. Yeah, we're using very rough conversion here. 155 litres. Well, 205 litres is 44 gallons, so... Mm. It'd be under, under, under a 44-gallon drum worth. But there's just no... Um, there's no calculation of a flow rate. It's just flow, which I thought was weird. But there is there is smaller numbers there, which probably has has what that is. Moving the map aside, as we start to uh, pull back from the map here, and um, you can hear the radio chatter between ACU um, talking about the packy and if they need to tranquilize it. And it's sort of odd. I found that they're here and they've got the ACU channels open for the whole control room in here. You think there'd be a radio operator in there or or something, um, not necessarily hearing what ACU is up to um, in the open like this, but but we finally see an, an active control room, not just Muldoon sitting there with his feet on the console watching the tour program. <laughs> um, there's there's a lot of people. There's, there's a good dozen mm-hmm. people in here too, all different stations. Uh, yeah. As we pull out from the map, we can see one one console down the front's got that same storm image. With the storm approaching on, we get that from the station next to Larry here as well. So they're obviously reusing some of the uh, the graphs and mm-hmm. computer print displays they've got, just to uh, make the the control room look populated and busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Claire walks in and stands between Larry and Vivian. I had to IDM, uh, ID, IMDb Vivian to find out what her name was because <laughs> I don't think she's ever called that in the film. I think you're right, actually. I think it's only mentioned in the credits. Yeah, unless there might be something Larry might mention later when they're discussing who's leaving or something. Mm-hmm. We'll see when we get there. But she's Claire's holding a coffee, so she's just been somewhere else and got a coffee fix for the day. 
and it's sort of odd here too behind it the, the rear um, the rear wall of the control room must be all glass panels which makes you wonder if there's a spot there for guests to come in and do a tour without entering the actual Mm-mm. I have to pay attention to when Owen barges in because you can see the whole map and all that sort of reflecting on this rear glass wall mm-hmm. well it's also interesting that you get the you have to get to you get to the control room through a um, through an elevator, which implies that is that it and oh yeah, so you get to the control room through an elevator. You we know that the um, that the helipad is on the roof of the control room there, so one could also assume that there is in fact a um, elevator system that goes up and down that building, and then a tunnel system that gets you to the um, to the innovation center. Well, yeah, that it's a it is a multi-level. Without looking at a photo of it, to guess how many windows high it is. Um, it is multi-level and built on the side of the hill. From all the exterior shots, there's no path at all exterior-wise to get from there down mm-hmm. to the rest of the park, unless you go for a walk through the jungle. <laughs> but um, yeah, we um, back when we had that elevator scene, we suggested that maybe there is a tunnel system linking the controller or linking this this control building to. Uh, to the Innovation Centre, which is how Claire can go back and forth so quickly, um, and even Hoskins that later in the film. But obviously, other levels of this building too. Obviously, should have to have an office here. Um, there'd be park park security, a- ACUs probably. Well, I don't know if ACU'd be in this building where they're stationed, because mm-hmm. there's no, obviously no vehicles, there's no garage, there's nothing here for ACU. Yeah, that's an odd one. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the park runnings and all that I imagine be here as well. Um, yeah, this would be sort of your your, your headquarters. Um, not yeah, not just the uh, control room. But Claire asks Vivian what the uh, live count is. Um, again, this seems to be a bit of a daily routine. And I don't know if this is a flub or or what, but Vivian answers twenty two thousand two hundred and sixteen, which is weird because when we get screenshots of the screen, as as she's saying it. It must come up on the uh, screen because mm-hmm. in a minute we can see that it's up there and that it's showing the count twenty one two sixteen. So she's a thousand off um, somehow. <laughs> I thought maybe the screenshot here. I'm looking at Google's from mm-hmm. later in the film and they've lost a thousand guests, but <laughs> no, we see because on the side of it we got the red um, light up area of the uh, the Western Plains being closed mm-hmm. and she's about to complain about next minute. So well, it's also interesting because. We do see that live count, and then, and there's only two of the four people lit up, which would imply that they're only at half capacity. I wondered about that, the fact that they got the four people lit up there, and or the, or the four people icons, and maybe that is that is the capacity. Which you see how how busy things are now. You imagine a double. I don't. Is there ever any mention of how many how many people they were getting through the gates when they opened? No, I don't think so. No. I think she said they sent. Uh, I think didn't uh, Tad the dad say something like they handle twenty thousand visitors visitors a day? But I don't think there's ever a mentioning of anything like that. Yeah, I'm just trying to think forward to the helicopter. Uh, well, not even back when she was in the lab, she said um, attendance is up. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> Nothing to compare it to, I suppose. <laughs> um, under the uh, under the guest count on the map, um, looking here, there's also some other counts going on. Um, 
top ones, uh, 58 gyrosphere users. Under that, there's 52 people on the Cretaceous cruise. Under that, there's three monorails docked, so they're confirming there's only three monorails. But consider it's O3 and not just free. There may be more mm-hmm. that uh, aren't being used. Yeah, they're or um, in I, motion. I, they just have the three of them that are currently loading and or offloading. You know. Yeah, and I'd imagine it'd be very much like the uh, the the visitor garage with the explorers. There'd be lines of explorers down there. Some being used, some not. Some being maintained. Um, I'd, I'd assume there's a large underground um, area workshop for those monorails, and there's probably a dozen of them down there. That they can call upon as well, especially if they if they can double this uh, this attendance. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, currently 129 players on the Jurassic Park golf course, or the Jurassic Golf Course, which um, out there making full use of that. Uh, 24 active ACU teams and two 2,250 park staff, which there's a lot of staff here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's what you mentioned um, last minute about those bungalows up on the hill maybe being for staff. I don't think you'd fit 2,200 in in that in that those bungalows or those um those buildings. So mm-hmm. I wonder. There's got to be a whole a whole Hilton space sized motel somewhere mm-hmm. for staff. Oh, I guarantee you they've got their own little compound with private golf course or um, private tennis course, swimming pool. Carnotaurs. The motor pool would be there as well. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> the motor pool would be there as well. There'd be G wagons and all that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. But I yeah so a lot more information that I could see on that map. Um, I love here too. You can sort of instantly know that Larry is one of us when you see his workspace with uh, all the dinosaurs and that on it. Which mm-hmm. again, they couldn't have any license figures here. No, these are all dinosaurs. In fact, I recognize a few of them. <laughs> but yeah, they're basically all generic dollar store toys. Although the um, when we cut back. When he's looking back at Claire, there there is a brachiosaur there that the head at least looks pretty, pretty spot on for a brachiosaur. So I don't know if I don't know if they just got lucky with that mold or, or what the go is. But Claire asks if there's been any incidents, and I'd imagine there'd be a some sort of level where incident level where she'd get a call. So she's probably just wondering about smaller smaller incidents here. Uh, but you'd think the uh, the packy that we learn next minute getting out from its, um, or wandering, having its implant shorted out be something you'd let um, operations know about. Mm-hmm. But uh, Larry replies, yeah, six kids in the lost and found, 28 down with heat stroke, which I don't know if that's 28 guests or 28 animals. I, Good question. I don't, I don't know. know what would be down with heat stroke. <laughs> but those six kids mm-hmm. in the lost and found, you'd think they might be the yeah. Cretaceous campers? Oh, well, that would imply that they've they've been found. Uh, oh, true. Um, yeah, that, that'd be true. They'd be lost kids that have been picked up and can't find a, their if, parents. Yeah, if it said um, six kids missing. Yeah. But even from what little we know, especially at this point where nothing's gone to hell yet, that whatever the Cretaceous camp is is operational and running, so. At this point, they wouldn't be lost. Maybe. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens when that starts off. But it could definitely be a sort of a tie-in. Tie-in or something there. 
Which I'm surprised is only six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'd think the amount of kids running around would be quite easy. Yeah, I mean, you got 22,000 uh, people running around. You'd, I mean, heck, I can imagine six kids going uh, getting lost at a, at a one Six Flags uh, uh, <laughs> theme park, you know? Yeah, especially, like, it's it's just it's a little bit after one, so still sort of around that lunchtime. Families are sitting down having, having food. Mm-hmm. Um, kids are probably asking to go to the toilet and running off to go to the toilet, then getting distracted by gift shops or floating dinosaur balloons and all the other stuff <laughs> we see to attract kids' attention. So, uh, oh, yeah, I mean... But good work. I mean, this whole thing is sensory overload for us. I mean, you can imagine what it would do to a <laughs> child's eyes, you know? Mm. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, good work, Jurassic World, only having six six kids and lost and found. Claire gets a bit of a look on look of horror here on her face as she uh, recognises something on uh, that Lara's wearing, and she cuts him off mid-sentence and says, where did you get that? And it's odd, because when he's uh, talking about lost and found, he's sort of leaving over, leaning over his monitor, talking away from her, but he must have turned at some point where she could see the fact that uh, he's wearing the old, the old park, uh, t-shirt with the logo on it um, he said oh this I got it off eBay yeah it's pretty amazing <laughs> I got it for 150 bucks the mint condition one goes for 300 and that's where he's cut off a game by Claire asking if she thinks it may be in poor taste um, there's a lot of speculation around this shirt uh, how how it got to eBay whether it was an old warehouse find that um, someone started selling off uh, there's a theory out there as well that park staff or those into construction when they went back to New Blair and started building the park, um, ransacked the gift shop in the old visitor centre. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure that those all those plushies there sitting in the gift shop did not. I'm sure they just uh, disappeared one day. You know. <laughs> well, not so much the stuff in the gift shop on display because it probably would have been. Although it was in the kitchen there, in the uh, dining room there, which yeah. didn't have many windows, so. Although, yeah, I don't think weather, water, that sort of thing may not have got in there and damaged it, but it'd be more so stuff in storage in uh, downstairs in the basement mm. or something, boxes of stuff that was still wrapped in plastic and hadn't been put out on display. Um, which is an odd one for Jurassic Park, the fact they had a fully a fully stocked gift shop there when the park's still not going to open <laughs> for another year. Well, again, I think, there was, but it, I think that might have just been for, like, um, for the display of it, you know, just for... Hammond had uh, had some guests come down for the weekend. Hey guys, let's get uh, get the gift shop stacked uh, stocked up, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's and it makes me think of sort of some of the things where you see people do VIP tours, and at the end they sit here and they walk up to them, put a put a hat on, give them a flag, and all that sort of stuff. I think more sports teams than that when mm-hmm. <laughs> you get people look at that, but um, it also it also sort of tie in with. Uh, Gennaro and his speech about charging 2000 a day and all that sort of thing and the marketing and uh, Malcolm's absolute disgust in the fact that they're, they're selling out <laughs> the, the whole thing. But it does show that um, obviously they've had a manufacturer teed up in China, Japan, overseas, wherever, making making merchandise mm-hmm. for the park, whether it was just an initial test run of that stuff that was on display for the VIPs or or what mm-hmm. um, maybe there was a warehouse in China that made 20,000 um, had done, a, done an order of 20,000 shirts and um, all of a sudden no Jurassic Park engine not paying Chapter 11 or, or all that sort of stuff and them just 
maybe not destroying the whole lot, throwing it all out, but then once the whole uh, light of the park and all that comes to public knowledge, people go, hey, didn't you have a box of that somewhere or something like that? Well, heck, yeah, the movie itself had a giant, giant uh, merchandising campaign. I remember there's a video on YouTube somewhere that I think was basically a video that was sent to advertisers to try to get people to buy in and basically do what Lucas did and slap that logo on everything he could. <laughs> <laughs> well, even even going into Fallen Kingdom too, like food, frozen frozen chicken and all, all the sort of food, frozen food you get in cardboard mm-hmm. cartons, all Jurassic, Jurassic World nuggets, Jurassic World, just, all that stuff, toothpaste. I'm just thinking, I mean... If that was just the movie, though, imagine what they would do for the for an actual theme park. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm sure they'd put they'd slap it on every lunchbox they could. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Oh, just look at the Disney's that, that you put on your head. Oh yeah, really. All the all the sort of Disney stuff, uh-huh. drink bottles. Um, put mouse ears on anything. Yeah, yep. And there is a lot of merchandise in this film that we don't really see up close or. All that there's the um, the misting fan squirty bottles and stuff like that mm-hmm. that's got the Jurassic World just that round mm-hmm. logo after T Rex head in it. Well, again, it reminds me of like say a, a city zoo you go to. They had that main gift shop, but then they have like a bunch of other little vendor carts sitting around the the uh, park where you can basically pick up like a stuffed toy or like you said the uh, squirty fan or anything like that. Hats, balloons, mm-hmm. pretzels. <laughs> they're making bank here. They're making. They're definitely yeah. making bank with this place. Well, even the food wrappers, but they, even stuff that we got in the real world, like your your, your drink cups and that for cinema theaters and that, is exactly stuff you'd be able to buy at the park as yeah. as merchandise. Uh-huh. Well, they even had the um, the like they showed that on the on the um, Jurassic World site. They showed the various vendors that you could guy that you could buy from and in fact that's one of the places that at the end of the movie Zach Ray and um, Owen get trapped in there by the Indominus Rex mm. and you can just they're trapped against one of those like a rack of stuffed animals and t-shirts uh, in a vendor's booth yeah yep. that was a tangent <laughs> we, we're going to go on to another one here because there's a quick cut in here with uh, with Vivian and Claire um it, sort of that look. It doesn't look like this is the first time Larry's gone on about his shirt or gone on about, on about the uh, the original park, but <laughs> the poor taste. Larry answers the shirt, yeah, I do understand people died. It was terrible. But that first park was legit. It was. Yes. It, very, it was. <laughs> I think we've talked plenty of times on here about how just nice and gen- generally kind of luxurious the original park looked, whereas this seems kind of more or less... Disneyland versus the um, versus an exclusive club kind of thing, you know. Yeah, and it's sort of it's hard because Jurassic Park hadn't opened. I think there's some graphs during that dinner that all that lunch scene where yeah. the projection. Well, it's interesting. Up to thousands. Well, it's interesting because I was actually recently talking to one of the guys behind the um, behind the gates Facebook page before we started recording this and I was talking and he's putting together a um what was it? It was a fan brochure that he wanted to do that he'd been putting together. And I was doing I was looking through some supplies. He had found a card that had 
a picture of an island of some of the islands on there, and I looked through my full screen version, my 35 millimeter full screen version of the first movie, and I'd actually found the image. We don't actually get a clear full image of these islands, but it's it's um well it was captioned at the bottom of the image uh, Jurassic Park Europe. And it was part of a, sli- a section of slides in the slideshow that had been for expand future expansion. So, mm. and we know also from the novel as well that Jurassic World had or Jurassic Park had been planning a Jurassic Park Europe and a Jurassic Park Japan. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they were definitely planning on franchising and kind of following the whole bring the zoo to them. But yeah, but it looks like Jurassic World kept it with the whole we're gonna make you come to Costa Rica to see the zoo. Yeah. Yeah. And of course we got the line from um, Hammond himself that the park's only gonna open with the ride the tour they're about to take, so mm-hmm. the fact that they're rushing in and only gonna have that one yeah. that one attraction. And yeah, it's uh, so we do see among the slideshow future attractions like the Jungle River Cruise, the Apiary, yeah. um and then we see other attractions that, of course, we don't see. I think they have an advertisement for Jurassic Tennis. And um, I think possibly an airport would have been on the island because there's a slide that shows uh, Continental Air Airlines uh, airplane mm-hmm. flying over a tropical island. So presumably they would have gone with air travel for the original Jurassic Park. But I remember reading from one of the creators of Jurassic World that they had initially that they had planned on making Jurassic Park, um, Jurassic World, Jurassic Park had it opened when it did, and then basically genericizing it would have become this watered down generic theme park that we see after after Hammond had effectively been gone because I think in the in the canon here. Hammond didn't last too much longer after the Lost World. Hmm. Yeah. It also makes me wonder. Anyway, we've brought it up before with a special lot of stuff we're discussing in uh, Jurassic Park Three, but just how much the world knows about mm-hmm. Jurassic Park and Nublar, and the fact that Larry here is going on about how legit the original park was and what he's going to talk about. More so going forward from that is the uh, the realism of the dinosaurs and not needing hybrids, mm-hmm. um, which is a great mm-hmm. in joke. But we'll, we'll leave that for for in a minute because yeah. um, we are going to talk about. It. There's a quick view here, um, or quick cut between Vivian and Claire. It seems like this isn't the first time Larry's been going on about how how legit the original park was, uh, even before he got the shirt and. <laughs> In one of the uh, shots here with Vivian at a station, you can see there's a few Polaroids down the bottom of a computer screen, which makes me wonder, um, with the park being so isolated, what the staff rotation is, how often do they get to go home for holidays and all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. because I, it's not like uh, Disneyland where you just go home at night and come back the next day. It's your... Uh, you're isolated there with everyone else. Mm-hmm. Well, presumably they did have, like we've been talking about, they had some place for the employees to bunk in, bunk for the night. And I'm sure they had shift rotations, basically uh, first, second, and third shift, where they had somebody running morning, somebody running afternoon, and then somebody running nights, just making sure guests didn't go out and cause trouble at night, you know? 
Mm. I mean, imagine if they well, didn't have everybody watching in the park at night, and you get teenagers go and uh, raid the liquor cabinet and then try to ride <laughs> the babies at Triceratops. <laughs> well, it, it's sort of yeah, it's it's hard because even just going back to Jurassic Park, how much automation they're trying to put in the systems mm-hmm. there, and having I can't remember what um, I think Nedra just says minimum staff for three days. And that's, okay, That's you're looking at a lot less stuff. You've got motion sensors, monitoring animals and everything else. Where here we are 20 years later, or X amount of years later, um, you've got a dozen people in this control room monitoring. Yes, you've got 22, 21,000 guests and not eight, so it, um, you're probably going to need to pay attention to more of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I could only assume that um, for those married employees, there'd be accommodation for the family as well. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're leaving the husband. I don't think Vivian's got a husband and kid at home that she only sees once a month or something like that. Well, she does say later on in the movie that she does have a boyfriend. Okay. But yeah, it's it's interesting because, like you said, um, wait, I'm sorry. What, what was that you said before, Vivian? I'm sorry. Uh, no, automation. Oh yeah, because yeah. it's interesting because. One of Hammond's first takeaways from the whole disaster that was Jurassic Park was they were too dependent on automation. And then you see this with the park where they've got a much larger staff and much less automation. Well, that goes to the the nth degree later on when when the boys come out of the jungle in the old Jeep and the fact here they are on the restricted zone fence, you've got two guys standing guard. (laughs) For what purpose? (laughs) I don't know, but... um... And we'll talk about that later, but yeah, I, I did find that part funny, and everybody else like, did they really have to do that? I'm like, come on, it was a joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it is, probably, and it is. It's probably the most boring post in the whole park. I'm sure that's the most exciting thing they've seen in a week. <laughs> well, it's about to get more exciting when the stuff's flying over, but it is good to have little bits of humor like mm-hmm. that in the film. You need, you need to, you need to laugh every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Larry continues uh, you know I have a lot of respect for it they didn't need these genetic hybrids they just needed dinosaurs, real dinosaurs which makes a good little tongue in cheek uh, thing there for the fans that know that they didn't have real dinosaurs. I think it's interesting because the fans have always had this thing where they've justified hybrids because the dinosaurs have quote unquote always been hybrids but there's always this thing in universe where the dinosaurs are treated as if they're the real thing. They're the real, they're real animals. They're not monsters. And it's kind of strange that we have this portrayal now where these dinosaurs are kind of either monsters or good guys. And that wasn't something that the original movie had to do. It was they were just animals acting as a force of nature. They were as much a monster as say a windstorm. Hmm. Well, it's it's like Ellie's debate, even though she's talking about the plants, but even the animals don't know what century they're in, and mm-hmm. they'll defend themselves violently, even if deadly if possible. And that's always been the treatment of these dinos- of the dinosaurs in the, in at least in the more more or less in the first two movies, they are created, and they're not just created in the flesh; they're created with these natural born instincts that are 65 million years old, and they'll act on those instincts as they would re- if they were real animals, because they are real animals. Mm. Yep. And, boy, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to the raptors in a couple of minutes' time, but 
Um, and, uh, yeah, and even we, we do get the stuff from Wu later on saying nothing in Jurassic World's mm-hmm. we're real and sort of continuing on that thing. Um, but we did have uh, Claire saying earlier to the VIPs that the Indominus was the first fully um, hybridised dinosaur. And it's It depends on how they're making them now. Back then in Jurassic Park, they were using... They're using frog. They're using what they could just to fill in the sequence gaps mm-hmm. to create the animals. Where now they're actively, Wu's actively getting cuttlefish, getting this, getting that, getting specific species to put in there to make different animals. It's weird here too, where the whole thing with Larry, we're about to go into the marketing and big corporations. Um, you'd think he'd be talking more about that than the fact that the real park didn't need <laughs> hybrids. Um, which I'm sure back in 94, if that park was open, you'd have Coca-Cola presents the T-Rex. I'm, I, you guarantee it. There'd be stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, Claire cuts him off and says, please don't wear it again. And that's where Larry sort of acknowledges defeat and turns back to his station and says, yeah, you won't. Which makes you wonder if he's been told before not to argue with her <laughs> about something. Because <laughs> he sort of really just cuts and runs here. Um, it also makes me wonder, is there no uniform code here for the park? We know outside with the guests... All the employees out there have the shirts, the hats, the car key, mm-hmm. and everything else. But here, everyone in the control room seems to be wearing different things. It's interesting like because you... it was kind of, it's in the original park. They originally had all the employees had a specific dress code. The um, veterinarians had one kind of thing. The um, park staff wore pink polo shirts with um, khaki with khaki pant dress pants, and then the the um, control room staff wore pink polo shirts with um, black khaki pants. And then there's, I mean, you can even see Ray Arnold's socks at one point, and they're pink. <laughs> well, that obviously went in the wrong wash with um, with some of the shirts, I'm guessing. <laughs> but even even the fact that Phil Arnold's walking around in a lab coat, like, I, I suppose he is a computer scientist or something <laughs> to work the operation stuff there out, but... Um... Yeah, I, did, I just found it. Like, fair enough, these people are probably never going to go out and see guests. Mm-hmm. They probably go down to the tunnel and that goes back to their accommodation. And that and, um, They never interact with the guests at all. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's not even smart casual what he's wearing here. It's just a, an overshirt with um, that under it. But uh, Vivian asks Claire if she closed the deal and Claire answers, looks like it. Verizon Wireless presents the Indominus Rex and yeah. Larry drops his head in disgust. And says, oh, that's so terrible, which, again, is the voice of the fans. <laughs> oh, my God. I completely agree with them. I hate all these capitalistic kind of <laughs> takeover of our stuff. I mean, it's... I mean, I think I've mentioned this before about with um, how in Chicago we have a baseball team called the White Sox, and their field was originally called Comiskey Park, and then it was there, and then the field was bought by singular wireless and it became a cellular field and then it, and now it's guaranteed rate field with a big giant red arrow pointing down right on the thing and like could you really just not uh. or um a couple years back the willis group which i think is a realty group bought the sears tower and renamed it the willis tower nobody calls it the willis tower Nobody calls no, it. Our, no. our, not even our news stations call it Willis Tower. 
That's like, just one of those pride, Chicago pride things where you just, you don't call it the Willis Tower. You don't call it <laughs> guaranteed rate field. I mean, it's just, and then we have uh, the marathon and it's not the Chicago marathon. It's banking bank of America presents the Chicago marathon. And it's just, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like, come on, can we can we just have it? This can we can we just let it be the Chicago Marathon? Well, I, I haven't heard the Boston Marathon being or anything put in front of that, but I'm sure there is a small subtitle there of someone that's the major sponsor putting their name on the front of that too. Mm-hmm. There's a um a sports stadium here in uh, in Melbourne, same sort of thing. When it was built, it was called uh, Docklands, which is the name of the area, and that's that's how it always starts. The names normally name conventions either someone famous or the uh, the area it's built in. And since then, since corporate takeover, <laughs> been buying it and buying it, it's gone through all sorts of company names, and now it's Marvel Stadium because Marvel Disney own it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah, same sort of thing there as well. But I, and this may be an international thing. I haven't really looked much into it. But when um, I had no idea that Verizon was a company, I thought it was. Horizon, and they'll just spoof and change in the V to so it wasn't a copyright thing. No, no, it's a um, <laughs> it's a phone company in America, and I think that it's um, they did actually do some sponsorship for the movie. Mm. Just like Tostito, yeah, well, since... Tostito had the food stuff, and um, <laughs> I can't remember if Pepsi did or not, but I wouldn't. I would imagine to use their name, they probably had to pay something, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, definitely since the movie's come out, I've definitely heard it a lot more. It's it's one of those things, if you don't know something, you don't really know much about it, and then as soon as it's mentioned or you learn or see it, then you see it everywhere. Um, uh, but he continues, why not just go to distance, Claire? Just let these corporations name the dinosaurs. And <laughs> that's where the minute ends, but um, one last thing here, sort of, as Larry leans back, you can see on that computer monitor beside him that the, uh, the storm and the map on that station beside him so um obviously some sort of weather observation or just uh just um more reuse reuse of the uh the animatics they got for the the computer screens but um we never actually get what larry or vivian's position are in the park either do we they just no we don't technicians <laughs> tv computer watchers because mm-hmm. um, they sort of do like she does a lot of announcement sort of stuff later when stuff starts to go down. She's obviously mic'd up. But yeah, we're going to get Larry going with Pepsisaurus and <laughs> the uh, the other stuff next minute. It is it is logically the next step. I'm sure once they, um, once they run out of uh, new attractions to be sponsored by mm-hmm. people, they're going to start naming dinosaurs and if they are doing their own hybrids and that sort of stuff, then hey, why not have a... Um, have a Dorito-shaped animal. (laughs) (laughs) It's a Stegosaurus, but the the spines look like Doritos. Yeah, just AC you go out and paint them yellow (laughs) and put little little red dots on for chili flakes or something. (laughs) Because it obviously, like even, we'll get to it next minute, but Pepsi-saurus, it's obviously not going to be blue with that big red circle on it. It's, it's only a naming convention. It's not actually describing the dinosaur, which yeah. obviously dinosaur names mostly. The, the naming convention is 
aesthetics of the animal, or yeah, that sort of thing. But uh, over in novel comparisons, we cut directly from the uh, Innovation Centre to the helipad. So uh, we don't have any novel comparisons today in the next minute. Um, David, that was minute 12. Mm -hmm. Good to see a bit of the uh, the behind-the-scenes park runnings here in the control room, and we're going to get more of it next minute as well before uh, Jurassic 1 comes in for a landing. Yep. But uh, if that's all, we'll get out of here for the day and be back next for uh, minute 13. All right. Talk to you next time. <laughs>